Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. So let me ask the question that I know many of you are asking. Why are we so focused on revitalization and the 50 days to vitality? Is it because the pastor, the session, and the vision team think we're doing so poorly as a congregation that we're headed toward decline and and death soon? The answer is no. Aren't we doing a lot of great things as a church and in ministry? The answer is yes. We have active children and, and youth ministries. In fact, many of our youth are gone this weekend up to Black Mountain doing a, a, a retreat. We have a budding young adult ministry in Rooted, young families, men's fellowship, women's circle groups, several small group Bible studies, outreaches to homeless, West Virginia, Christmas families, children throughout the world based on Operation Christmas Child Shoeboxes. We sponsor several missionaries and are involved in a lot of ways in our community. There's a lot we're doing well. A pastor friend and I reconnected this past week. We had lost touch for a couple of years, and just before we, we communicated again, he mentioned looking at our church's website, and I'll quote him, your church looks like it's really flourishing. So why are we so focused on revitalization and the 50 days to vitality? Because our measuring stick is not what other people think. Our measuring stick is not even what we think. Our measuring stick is Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, otherwise known as the Great Commission. Let me remind you of a part of it. Jesus is speaking, and He says, go. He doesn't say, stay right where you are so others can come to you. Jesus is saying, you have the greatest news about the greatest gift that all people need, and many don't know they need it and won't seek you out. You're not doing me any favor by huddling together and keeping my love, my grace, and salvation to yourself. Jesus is telling us throughout Scripture that there are two ways to go. There are two ways to live, with Him or without Him. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There are a lot of people dying without Him. Does that not stir your heart? If you knew your best friend or a family member were headed toward death and destruction, wouldn't you warn them? Wouldn't you do everything in your power to bring them back to life. This is what we're talking about. There are family members out there who don't yet know they're supposed to be family members, members of the family of God, and they need someone to bring them into life. And here are the four most important truths that everyone needs to hear. Number one, God loves you, And He has a purpose for you. And a big part of that is being in relationship to Him. 
that's what he wants for you. But, number two, sin separates us from God, and people often try bridging the gap between us and God with doing a lot of good things. Maybe they try to bridge the gap of feeling, you know, boy, I've really messed up in my life. Let me do some good things. Let me make up for it. There's only one bridge that reaches God. The third truth, it's the cross of Jesus Christ. He is the only way. And number four, all anyone has to do is trust Jesus. Believe that He died for you on the cross and that He rose from the grave. So after Jesus says, go, the next thing He tells us is make disciples. A disciple is a follower. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Do you know that He loves you and He died on the cross in your place for your sins? Are you seeking to follow Him? Now, making disciples is twofold. First, it's about what you get to experience this lifelong journey of discipling. Being made into a disciple is about learning and growing in the knowledge of God for a particular purpose so that your life can be transformed, so that your life can be changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And second, making disciples is what others get to experience through you as you invite and share and proclaim the difference Jesus Christ has made to you. You see, it's God using you to bring others along on this lifelong journey of knowing, serving, and loving Jesus Christ so that they can be transformed and changed by the power and presence of a saving Lord. And who is our target, according to Jesus? All nations. And then what is the church's role? To baptize and to teach, to keep teaching, to keep proclaiming, so that you keep growing, so that you keep transforming. This is really week five that you're going to hear more about the Great Commission, so I'm not going to develop this any further right now. By the way, what we're speaking of, if you don't know, maybe this is your first time with us, we're in the beginning of a third week out of, out of eight, of a 50 Days to Vitality devotional. It's a bound booklet that is on that table. Pick that up. It doesn't matter if this is your only time with us. It will guide you through 50 days of, of exactly what we're talking about here, of what God wants to do in you and then through you. So, I'll ask for the third time, why are we so focused on revitalization and the 50 days to vitality? The answer, because Jesus commands us to. That's the big picture. Jesus commands us. Jesus commissions us to go make disciples, baptize, teach obedience. And that's a lifestyle change for many of us because it's about always looking for an opportunity to make Jesus known. 
and the 50 days to vitality, that devotional, are for our hearts and minds to be open and ready for how God is going to use us. Now we get into this week's theme. Let me set the stage this way. Every year when I lead confirmation classes for the youth, and with Melanie's help the last few One of the Bible passages we look to inevitably inevitably lead us to put Jesus on a scale, 1 to 10. Now, not what we think of Him, that's not what I'm talking about, but how involved He is in our life, or better said, how involved we allow Him to be in our life, in categories like friendship potential dating relationships, how we view school, how our relationship is with our parents, what we think about ourselves. In each category, how much does Jesus impact that area? Does Jesus influence who we hang with? If not at all, that's a one. If, yeah, He's my sole motivation for how and what who I hang with, then it's a 10. Obviously, it's somewhere between there. And, and if we're honest, we'll look at that and say, wow, here's a few areas I'm, I'm doing okay at. There's some strong areas. If we're honest, we'll look at that and go, wow, there's some places I don't include him at all. And here's the thing, it's not just a youth exercise. On a 10-point scale, How much does Jesus influence and impact your marriage? How much is He a part of your parenting, your job performance, your leisure time, your friendships? Why? What does it matter? And why does God want to be involved in our lives? Today, we want to try to get answers to these questions. You may have noticed that our text is just two verses long, but... Two incredible verses from the Apostle Paul writing to the Romans, chapter 12, begins this way. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. If there's one word in that sentence that may be a little foreign to us, it's the word sacrifice. Of course, we don't live in a culture where people offer animal sacrifices. That doesn't go in our culture. We're not familiar with it. Yet it was all the rage prior to Jesus and even in Jesus' day. Even before the time of Moses... Even before the Exodus, you think, okay, there's a sacrifice, the lamb's blood. Offerings and sacrifices were a vital part of one's relationship with God all the way back to Cain and Abel. And then to Noah. And then certainly through Moses and our ancestors beyond them into the tabernacle worship, into the temple worship. It, It... all the way up to the first century means that the people that the Apostle Paul was writing to knew very well the practice of animal sacrifices being offered to God. Often referred to as offerings, animal sacrifices were made on the occasions of burnt offerings, 
peace offerings, sin offerings, guilt offerings. But here's the thing. The Apostle Paul is not talking about animal sacrifices in this passage. Instead, what he's saying is God wants you to be the sacrifice. Now, not in some demonic ritual kind of way. What does he say? To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. God wants your body. That means your whole self as a living sacrifice. He wants your mind. He wants your heart. He wants your words. He wants your actions. He wants your thoughts. Keep going. Your whole self as a living sacrifice. In essence, what the Apostle Paul is saying to them and to us, in light of the mercy that God has shown you in sending Christ Jesus to die for you and to save you, in light of all that you did not deserve but God poured out anyhow, His love and His goodness, in light of all this, you are to offer all that you are, all, all that you have, every part of your life to God. You no longer belong to anyone or anything other than God. That means your will is God's will. Your desires, God's desires. Your agenda, God's agenda. This is not a once a year, once a month, even once a week kind of thing. The believers that Paul were writing to in Rome knew that sacrifices were offered morning and evening at the temple so that they would understand what Paul was calling them to was a daily sacrifice, a daily commitment of their lives to God. This was no once-a-week offering. I'll let you get that. (laughs) He's about to tell you right now. This is wholehearted. It involves every aspect of your life. In addition, this was to be an intelligent, deliberate choice every day. You know, in animal sacrifices, the animal had no choice. We do. We have a choice to whom we're giving ourselves away. So how do we give ourselves away to God instead of the world, and why does it matter? His next thought, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, what He's got in store for you is better than you can even imagine for yourself because His will is perfect. You see, the Apostle Paul understood that in the spiritual life of every believer, the battle for the control of the mind would lead either to victory or defeat in daily living. And here's why this is important, because the world cheapens relationships. The world cheapens marriage. The world cheapens family life. And it lures us to quick fixes that end up destroying us. 
But God has something better in store for us. Look, we live in a fallen world, which means there are no shortcuts to spiritual growth and maturity. There's no easy route to renewing our minds and transforming our lives. In fact, it's a difficult path often, and it certainly is a lifelong journey. But again, it's that path that leads to the something better that God has for us. And this involves three major steps. Now, nothing is foolproof because we're all sinners. So even if we could concentrate on these three things, we'll never focus 24-7 on Jesus. But aren't you tired of just going through the motions? Don't you ever wonder if there's more to life than going to work, sleeping, and living for the weekend? Do you feel stuck in an endless cycle of bad behavior and bad relationships? Do you ever want to know that no matter what you're going through, there's always hope? That there is a God who truly loves you and cares about you and wants to walk your journey with you. Elsewhere in Romans, Paul said this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What he's saying is that there is no thing and no one that can interfere with our relationship that God has established with us, a relationship based on unconditional and unrelenting love. So what are those three major things? They're on the sermon notes page, but let me put them out there for you again. Number one. You and I must consciously surrender our life to Christ each day. Consciously. Because we're not just going to stumble into it. Consciously commit your life to Him every morning, even if you need to say it out loud, Lord Jesus, today I'm going to live for You. Billy Graham once said, if you want to ch- you want a change in your life. If you want forgiveness, peace, and joy like you've never known before, God demands total surrender. He becomes the Lord and ruler of your life. You say, Lord, I'm ready to give you my life. I know what a mess I've made of it. I surrender my life to you consciously. The second step, daily prayer and Bible reading. Those are essential if you want to renew your mind because you're bringing in what God is wanting to say to you. It's to renew your mind. It's to know the will of God. It is to be transformed. And that requires discipline because it's a time commitment. Even if it's just five minutes, you start. It requires a time commitment and it requires determination because all sorts of things will demand your time. Look, almost all of us in this room right now, because of the 50 days devotional, are reading the Bible 
and praying on a daily basis for ourselves, for our church, for our desire to impact others, my encouragement is keep it up. Let's commit to making this a habit past the 50 days. Imagine this. Imagine a church whose sacrificial commitment is common, whose prayer life is vital and regular, where Bible reading and worship are a lifestyle, and we all desire to live out the Christian faith so others are influenced and impacted by the love of Jesus. Imagine that church. Imagine that church at work in this community. Imagine that a whole bunch of churches are like that. And number three, be in a relationship with at least one other person for spiritual growth. Find someone, or better yet, find several someones that you can relate to and invite them to hold you to Bible reading and praying. And actually, we're going to help you do this. By the time this 50-day devotional ends, we'll give each of you an opportunity to be part of a small group Bible study, something outside of Sunday mornings. Maybe you already take advantage of just such a group. You're active in youth or, or rooted or one of the several Bible study groups that meets during the week. You're already there. You're already being enriched. But what if 200 of us were doing this on a weekly basis, reading a Bible passage, being stretched by the insights of others, lifting each other's needs in prayer, praying for our church and each other's efforts to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to others? Here's the truth. We are doing a lot of things well. And you know how great it is to be part of a wonderful church family. You love God. You know of His great grace and love and forgiveness. And it's too good to keep to ourselves. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.